0: go through this evening uh, will be a help to all of us and we really challenge our hearts. Now I just wanted to just give you a little update. Uh, many of you have asked about my daughter Sarah. She's been sick for about a month and um, she, just to give you a quick update. Uh, she was in hospital last week. They did a lot of tests on her and she's doing maybe a little bit better. I am Oh, I'm a bit of an optimist, you know. So I'm always, oh, she's doing better, you know. Heather might say differently, you know, um, but she's doing a, a little bit better. But please continue to pray for her. She's she's sick and she's a bit discouraged because of the sickness going on and on. And uh, we we know now what it is. It's a thing called uh, post viral fatigue syndrome, um, and it should clear her system. Uh, in the next few weeks but just pray that she would get back to normal and she would be over um, the sickness and be able to go she's been out of school and it's been a very difficult time uh, for her So, we, but I appreciate all of you that have prayed for her and asked for her it means a lot just to know that you're praying and uh, to hear your concern for her You know, I know it, it, we're all so busy uh, that it's hard sometimes to think about anything but the stuff we have on our plate so I appreciate you praying for her Uh, We're we're going this evening to Luke uh, chapter 8, and um, have you ever watched a child trying to lift a heavy object? An object maybe that was heavier than they could lift themselves. Um, And it's amazing, to the child it seems very, very hard, doesn't it? They're trying to lift maybe a box and it's just too heavy for that small child And it seems very, very hard to them. Sometimes as an adult, you look at them and it's kind of humorous because it's like, it's not that heavy, you know. Um, I could lift that box easily. Um, And then you see super mommy or super daddy come into the room and lift up the box. And it's very easy for them, of course. And what does the child do? The child looks at the mom or dad and says, Wow, you are so strong. You know? And is it that that mom or dad is really exceptionally strong? No. It's just that they're stronger than the kid, right? You know, there's a lot of things in our lives um, as human beings uh, that are totally impossible to us. But to God, they're not. And it's amazing in the same way as we would look at a child trying to lift a heavy box and it seems like such a small thing. There are things that seem totally impossible to us, but they're not impossible to our God. And I believe when he looks at those things in our lives, he thinks, that is so easy. It's not that hard. There are things that he can help us with. And so we're going to look at a story um, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. And it's a story that shows you how Jesus can do the impossible. And it's something that can help us and can stir our faith. So we're going to start by reading um, somewhat lengthy passage. We're going to start in verse 41, and we're going to read down through the end of verse 56. And then we're going to pray, and we will look at these verses in a bit more detail. Well, Luke chapter 41, it says this, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house, For he had one only daughter about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And verse 49 says, While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. The passage we just read, really, it's a two for one story. Okay, it's two for the price of one. There's two stories. Uh, In the same passage, there's one story that's interrupted by a second story in the middle. And really, we're going to focus on the first story tonight and uh, look at that. But before we do, let's just ask the Lord to help us understand his word. Father, we thank you. Um, Lord that we can be here tonight and God we just pray as we open your word um, Holy Spirit that you will be our teacher Uh, Lord help your word to be clear and to make sense to us and Lord we pray that you'd apply right to our hearts and where we need it most in our lives the truths that we're about to look at and Jesus help us to see you Lord we we need to simply see you again and afresh and uh, Lord Help us to see the simplicity that is in Christ uh, tonight. And Lord, we commit this time to you now. Lord, we pray you protect us from the evil one. Uh, Lord, that no one would be hindered from getting what you have for each of us to hear from you tonight. And uh, Lord, we just pray that now uh, that you be glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this story... There's several characters, okay? And the first character that we meet is a man named Jairus, okay? Jairus was, it says in verse 41, he was a ruler of the synagogue. He would have been a leader in the synagogue. Of course, the synagogue, uh, as I'm sure you know, was a place where the Jews would come together to worship God, to read the Word of God, and uh, the rabbi would explain the Word of God and teach people the Word of God. Um, and Jairus, he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he would have been in charge um, of the synagogue services. And he would have been responsible for maintaining and cleaning the building. And, you know, he would have been a religious man, would have been a respected man in the community uh, there in that place. Okay? Um, now, also, remember that Jairus would have been a part of the religious establishment that was against Jesus, that did not believe he was the Messiah, by and large, that believed he was an imposter, okay? So a lot of the, uh, in fact, in the book of John, it talks about one synagogue where if you believed on Jesus, you would be kicked out of the synagogue. That is what the the synagogue leaders had agreed, okay? So Jairus, he's a part of this, he's a part of the synagogue um, that is very much against Jesus. Yet he comes to Jesus. And notice how he comes to Jesus in verse 42. Um, sorry, verse 41. It says he fell down at Jesus' feet. And he besought Jesus that he would come to his house. You know, he fell down in worship and humility before Jesus. You know, this religious leader. Um, he, It says he besought Jesus. In other words... He urged Jesus. He pleaded with Jesus. He literally came to Jesus and he said, Please, please, Jesus, come to my house. He pleaded with him. Okay? You know, not very dignified behavior for a respected member of the community. Why would he do that? Why would he humble himself so? Well, very, very simply, because he had a child that was sick and about to die. Okay? He had a child that was very, very sick. Now, Notice in verse 42, his daughter was 12 years old. Do we have any 12-year-olds here tonight? All right. Okay, Rebecca is 12. Any other 12-year-olds or 11-year-olds? I have a little girl who's almost 12, okay? And, you know, 12 is a very important age for a young person. Uh, You know, it it seems like a child is becoming an adult or, or becoming grown up. You know, I talk to my daughter, Ruth, and I look at her and I think, what happened to you? Like, you're not a kid anymore. She's growing up, you know. And that's an amazing age. Twelve is full of promise. And this young person is becoming a grown-up and, you know, thinking big thoughts and full of ideas and all of that. Well, can you imagine this man, that was his only daughter. And he and his wife, they loved their daughter. And she's 12 years old. She's just, uh, you know, at that wonderful age and everything is new and, and she's growing up. And she gets sick. And she gets sicker. And she gets sicker. And finally they realize that unless something changes, she's going to die. She is going uh, to die. And they knew that she was sick. And you know, people do crazy things when someone they love is in danger, don't they? And Jairus, though he was a respected member of the community, comes, he falls down at Jesus' feet. He pleads with Jesus to come to his house Why? Because he was desperate and he had heard that Jesus had healed people. And so he swallowed his pride. He said, we're going to go and try this. We're going to go and visit Jesus. He swallowed his pride. He came to Jesus, even though he knew he'd be looked down upon by some for doing it. Even though he knew he would make a fool of himself in some ways. He said, my daughter's dying. I've got to do something about it. And so he went to Jesus uh, to ask Uh, Jesus to heal him well Jesus agrees to go you know Jesus loved to heal people and loved to help people in those practical ways and so he goes to go with them but there is an interruption okay notice in um, verse 42 the end of verse 42 it says but as he went the people thronged him so there's a big crowd of people Jesus has just been teaching and as he leaves to go to Jairus' house. He can't get through this crowd. I mean, there's a huge crowd of people. And you know the story. We're not going to uh, spend a lot of time on it um, because we want to finish the story of Jairus. But this woman, she has an issue of blood. She's constantly bleeding. It's very difficult. She spent all kinds of money on doctors and she wasn't any better at all. And she was still just as sick as when she began her treatment. She comes to Jesus and she just touches the hem of the robe or the cloak that he was wearing and immediately she's healed. I mean, she had tried for years everything she could think of and it hadn't worked. And just by touching Jesus, she was instantly and completely healed. You know, that's the power of Jesus. That was what he could do as he walked this earth and that is what he can still do in our lives he can help us he is powerful there is nothing that is impossible to him it is effortless if you will for Jesus to intervene in the most difficult situation the most long-standing situation and help and turn things around so she touches the his garment and she's healed and of course Jesus challenges her to, to, to say what had happened to her And it's a beautiful picture of salvation. If Jesus has delivered us, if he's saved our souls, or if he's done something for us, we need to tell people. We need to testify and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. You know, that interruption meant joy for that woman. But it meant heartbreak for Jairus. Because just as that woman was healed and she declared to the crowd what Jesus had done for her, a messenger comes, it says in, Verse 49, While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. You know, can you imagine the pain and the fear that gripped the heart of that dad? You know, it was so wonderful to see this lady healed, but when he thought, my child is dead, that broke his heart you know God often allows situations to get to a point of utter hopelessness and impossibility before he steps in. You know we see that in the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Uh, You know Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick and what does he do? Goes straight to Lazarus right? No. He waits for three days doesn't he? He waits for three days and finally when Lazarus is dead when his A sick friend became a dead friend then he goes to Lazarus Okay, he goes to see him and of course he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now why did he not go the first day? Because God often does that. He often allows situations to become totally impossible and then he steps in. You know another example Abraham and Sarah God promises them that they will have a son but you know he waits until Sarah is 90 and Abraham is 99 to fulfill the promise. You know. There was no hope. Humanly speaking. Of them having a child. And God left it. You know God very often. Allows situations to get to a point. Of hopelessness and impossibility. Before he intervenes. And you know as Jesus went to Jairus's house. You know he's a sovereign. God of the universe. You know it wasn't out of his control. That there was a crowd. It wasn't out of his control. That he had to heal that lady. He allowed it. Why? To let the situation get to such a place where it's impossible. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like that. I don't like when that happens in things that I'm praying about. I don't like when that happens in my life, when things just get totally impossible. But you know, God often does that. You know, think about the messenger there in verse 49. You know, he assumes uh, that there is no hope, even with Jesus. You know, that uh, this person has died, this little girl has died, and there's no hope. You know, he thinks even Jesus cannot retrieve from someone from the realm of death. You know, there's a finality to death that everybody recognizes. You know, I I don't know, all of us have probably experienced this. I I remember going to see my, my granddad when he had passed away. And seeing his lifeless body in the coffin. And, you know, he didn't look like the person I knew, you know. He looked so different because life was gone from him, you know. And, you know, we've all experienced that. But, you know, there's a finality to death. And the messenger, who I assume was a servant, uh, you know, one of Jairus's servants, and had come from his house, and he said, don't bother the master, he's dead. He assumed, okay, you know, Jesus can heal people. But she's dead now. You know, it's done, there's no hope it's over, Jesus can't help her, so don't bother Jesus come on home and we will make preparation for the funeral, but you know the messenger assumed it was too hard for Jesus, don't we do that sometimes, we look at a situation in our lives and we think this is too hard even for Jesus, you know sometimes we lose hope, I've been guilty of this, sometimes we don't even bother praying because we just think this situation is too far gone now, even God can't fix the situation. And then sometimes we go uh, and find another way of our own making. And sometimes that makes more problems. But that is another uh, message and another day's work. But you know, we get discouraged sometimes. Uh, we, we think even Jesus can't help us. You know, in Genesis chapter eighteen fourteen, 14, um, God says this to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He asks Abraham that question. Now I want you to answer that question tonight and I know we're sitting in church it's easy to answer this but let me ask you that question is anything too hard for the Lord? No! Okay? Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Was it too hard for Jesus to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead? No. It wasn't too hard for him. He It was no problem to him. It was easy in fact for Jesus to do that. You know We need to recognize that impossible is Jesus' speciality. He specializes in in impossible. He lets things get impossible to give himself a challenge. And then he steps in. He actually allows things to get hopeless so he can roar back and deliver us against all the odds and show his mighty power and glorify his name. He does that. You know, we've seen him do that in our lives at different times, haven't we? But, you know, maybe there's something impossible facing you right now. And as you look at it, you think, this is too hard even for Jesus, you know. Maybe, you know, it hasn't even occurred to you to pray about it because you're so discouraged about it. You know, this messenger had no idea how powerful Jesus really is. Jesus is more powerful than death. The Bible says he is the resurrection and the life. He rose from the dead. And he can raise anyone who will believe in him. Death is no insurmountable barrier to the mighty Jesus. He flits from death to life and from uh, life to death effortlessly. That's our Jesus. He's powerful. you believe that tonight? On a Wednesday night when you're tired and you've worked hard today and you're ready to go to bed, yeah? Yeah. Okay? (laughs) You know, but do you know Jesus... He's powerful. He is the resurrection and the life. Now, I want you to notice Jesus' response to the messenger. He doesn't scold him. And um, he doesn't um, reject him. Here's what he says to him in verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Now, it seems that Jesus is replying to the messenger. But obviously, he's addressing Jairus as well. Because you can imagine Jairus. I mean, imagine that moment where they're finished with the lady who's just been healed and they're about to go to Jairus' house and the messenger comes up and imagine the feeling in Jairus' heart when he hears what has happened. She's dead. You know, the very thing that I feared, the very thing that every waking moment I have worked to avert has happened, she's dead, she's gone. Can you imagine? You know, can you imagine the feeling of Uh, pain. You know, Jesus was going to heal her, but by some cruel twist of faith, we got interrupted and now she's dead. And Jairus' heart is filled with fear, with pain, with sadness. You know, Jesus says to Jairus and to the messenger, fear not, fear not. Do you know fear is the deadly enemy of faith? We can't believe God. We can't have faith in God. When we are afraid. Fear and faith can't live uh, in the same heart. You know Proverbs uh, chapter 29 and verse 25 says this. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know they're, they're enemies. You know I can't fear man and trust God. I can't trust God and fear man. I'm going to be doing one or the other. Okay. Okay. So fear and faith are opposites. You know, Franklin D. Roosevelt said this, it's a famous quote, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And for a Christian, that's really true. You know, because if our Christian life is about faith and it's about dependence, when fear comes in, we are crippled in our faith. We can't depend on God and everything can quickly fall apart. So we've really got to watch fear in our life. But Jesus says, don't fear. What does he say? Fear not. Believe only. Believe only. Think about that. Jesus requires faith. He demands that we believe him in order for him to do certain things. You know, somebody had to believe Jesus in order for the daughter to be healed. Fear not. It says in verse 50, believe only and she shall be made whole. The implication was, if you let fear dominate you and you don't believe, she won't be made whole. You know, And somebody had to say no to fear, say yes to faith, and believe Jesus in order for that little girl to be, fe- to be healed. And you know, it's true in our lives too, that Jesus requires faith. Now, I'm glad Jesus requires faith, but faith is the only requirement. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. Jesus says, fear not, believe only. And how simple that is. You know, believe only, that's the key to Christianity. It's the key to being saved, is to believe only. It's the key to the Christian life, walking with God, is to believe only. You know, so often uh, we can, our, our flesh tends towards depending on ourselves. And we can get caught up in doing so many things in our own strength. And get away from that simple command of Jesus right here. Believe only. Fear not, believe only. You know, Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need to face the impossible challenges that you and I face. And I know I have some impossible challenges in my life. And you know what? Jesus is enough for those things. He wasn't daunted by the fact that this little girl had died, He knew that He could help her. And so, fear not, believe only. Now notice the interaction with the mourners in verse uh, 51. Notice first in verse 51 he says, And when he came into the house he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. Interesting who Jesus brings in. Um, He brings a small group of witnesses to accompany him as he goes to heal this girl. First of all he brings the distraught parents. You know, but they were believing. You know, think about it. Uh, Jairus had enough faith to let Jesus come to his house and heal his daughter, raise his daughter from the dead. He didn't say, oh no, Jesus, there's no point. He let Jesus come. That was faith. That was faith on Jairus' part. He believed that Jesus could do this. His heart wanted to be afraid, but he chose to believe God in the face of his fear. Then he brings the inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. You know, they needed to see this. They needed to see uh, Jesus do this. And he brings them with him. You know, he brings those who were willing to believe him into this room. And they saw this miracle up close and personal. Now, it's interesting in verse 52, when they arrive at the house, uh, the funeral has already started, if you like, okay? And... You know, when you go to a funeral in Ireland, generally, you know, people are sad, people are crying, um, but it's it's usually pretty orderly. It's it's usually pretty dignified. You know, sometimes somebody's having a very difficult time. It's it's an awful time, uh, you know, when somebody passes away. Um, but when you go to a funeral in the East, even to this day, I mean, the people they really cry for the the person that has died. They really mourn. I mean, they roar. And cry loudly. I mean, it's almost like the louder people cry, the more honored this person is at the funeral. And this was very much true in the days of Jesus. And so they arrived there at the house and the funeral's already begun. These people are mourning. I mean, they are weeping and wailing and roaring uh, for this poor girl who has died. And Jesus says a very uh, strange thing to them, to their minds. He says, weep not. She is not dead sleepeth. She's not dead. No, she was was really dead. But you know what? She wasn't going to be there long. She wasn't going to be in the realm of death very long. Jesus says, in effect, her death is not permanent. It is a temporary sleep. I am about to raise her from the dead. And it's similar to what he said about Lazarus. He said, Lazarus sleeps. And the apostles, the, the disciples were like, oh, well, if he sleeps, you know, he'll get better. And Jesus says, "Guys, he's dead." Okay, you know, because they didn't understand. And in the same way, uh, Jesus is, he says, "She's she's not dead. She she's merely sleeping." And notice the response um, of the mourners demonstrated that she really was dead. Everyone knew she was she was gone. She had passed away. Uh, she was dead. It says in verse fifty three, and they laughed him to scorn knowing that she was dead. Can you imagine going from loud crying to loud laughing, just like that, the minute Jesus said that, and they laughed at him. The response, they laughed and mocked Jesus, and they knew that after a serious sickness she was indeed dead. You know, how the laughter of those mourners must have smarted for Jesus. You know, he's God. He's God. He is the Lord of life. And he was able to raise her from the dead. The impudence, the cheek of those mourners to laugh at the creator. But they did. They laughed at him. You know, we can look at them and say, oh my, how could they do such a thing? Do you know Sarah laughed when God said she was going to have a child? And she was past childbearing years. She laughed. She laughed. You know what? We might look at those mourners and say, how could they do that? But, you know, in our humanity, sometimes we find it difficult to believe that Jesus can change the impossible situations in our life. You know, we might have a situation we're facing, and it's like, the situation is as good as dead. It's just, there's no way to fix it. And we might look at that situation, and we say, Phew, What can I do about it? Nothing can be done. Do you know what? Jesus is able to do something about that situation. And this is so simple. But have you thought to bring it to him? If you're discouraged about the situation because it's gotten worse, have you thought to continue bringing it to Jesus? Because Jesus often allows things to get worse before he steps in and delivers us. It's a pattern in the word of God. They laughed at him. And we can identify with that. You know, your most distressing worries are not impossible to Jesus. The things that keep you up at night are not beyond Jesus' power. I mean, do you believe that tonight? You believe, if you believe that, say amen. 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 It's true. And let's notice the miracle. Verse 54, it says, And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying, made arise. You know what I love about uh, this part of the story is that Jesus just so effortlessly raises her from the dead. You know, it wasn't hard for him. You know, he didn't have to do some long ritual. He didn't have to fast and pray for 24 hours. He just says, get up. And what does it say in verse 55? Her spirit came again and she arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. You know, it's so easy for him. That's our Jesus. How effortlessly he raises her from the dead, undeterred by the insulting laughter of the mourners, oblivious to the assumption of the messenger that the situation is hopeless, utterly beyond remedy, even to Jesus. He takes the young lady's hand and with determined confidence, he commands the corpse to get up. And she does instantly. You know, when our, It's amazing to me, little Sarah was in the hospital last week, and it's amazing to me to observe kids when they're sick, okay? Um, because you go into a hospital and all the adults that are sick have what nursing staff call pajama paralysis, okay? They lie in the bed and they maybe read a book or look at the TV, but they are sick and they are just being still and um, they're not doing anything. But kids are a totally different story. Kids can be quite sick and they're still bouncing off the walls. I mean, they'll go into the toilet and vomit and then they'll be running down the hallway the next minute, you know. Uh, The one thing that changes is they're usually very grumpy. You know, kids are are very grumpy when they're sick, uh, you know. But you know your child is really, really sick when they won't eat, you know. I remember my mom used to say that to me. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, I'd really lay it on thick once in a while and say, Mom, I'm too sick, I can't go to school. i just feel so rotten. I can't go to school today, you know. And um, so, uh, you know, I'd convince her that I was very, very sick. And she'd say, okay, you can stay home from school. And about lunchtime, you know, she'd make some lunch and I'd come in and I would... I'd eat the table. You know, I would eat so much lunch. And here's what she would always say. You're eating well for a sick boy, you know. <laughs> she said, say, you're not obviously not that sick, you know. And we know kids are sick because they don't want to eat. And what does Jesus do? The first thing he does uh, when this girl is raised from the dead is he says, give her something to eat. Why did he do that? This is very interesting. When kids are sick, they, they, uh, if they're really sick, they don't want to eat and this little girl had been deathly sick and no doubt had not been able to eat. But Jesus commanded that they give her food to show her that she wasn't just raised from the dead, that she was completely whole. Remember what Jesus had said in uh, verse 48. He said, uh, sorry, in verse uh, 52. Weep not, she is... I'm sorry, verse 50, third try. Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. In other words, healthy. And Jesus had not only raised her from the dead, but she was completely healthy. Whatever sickness she had had before she died, she was completely recovered from. And Jesus said, give her some food to demonstrate that she was healthy again. Now, her parents, of course, were astonished. You can imagine. You know, I think how astonished you would be if uh, that impossible situation that you've been praying about was fixed by Jesus miraculously, just like that. okay? They were astonished. Perhaps they laughed, maybe for a different reason than the mourners who just a few moments before had laughed because they thought Jesus was crazy when he said, she's not dead. Uh, she's only sleeping. And went in to raise her from the dead. Um, you know, these parents were astonished. You know, God understands our humanity. He knows we are but dust. But oh, if we would just believe him you know maybe it's a trembling faith maybe we need to come like another daddy in the gospels who had a sick child and came to the lord and he said lord i believe help the hell mine unbelief you know his faith was trembling it was small but he said please help me you know if we would just come to jesus like that and uh, even in our weakness to cry out to him you know we are weak But we serve a great God and you know it's a big help uh, to me to recognize that faith is uh, the key to faith is not my faith being strong if you like but it's recognizing who my God is if we can recognize who our God is faith becomes in a sense easy and simpler and then notice in verse 56 Jesus tells them uh, he charges them that they should tell no man what was done you know why would Jesus do that You know, this is one of his greatest miracles. He actually raised somebody from the dead. Why would he do that? You know, Jesus was not on earth to get famous or to make a name for himself. He did these miracles, number one, to reveal himself as the Messiah, and number two, to genuinely help people who had physical needs, practical needs in their life. That's why he did these things. But he wasn't here to draw attention to himself Uh, Isaiah 42 verse 2 says this, he shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. And Jesus didn't go out of his way uh, to draw attention to himself. Uh, He really was there to help people and to reveal himself as the Messiah. But he wasn't interested. It wasn't about his reputation or his fame, if you like. Now, let's think about this story just for a, a minute as we close. And how it applies to us. What impossible problems do you face? You know, all of us have them. Things that maybe have come to mind as we've gone through this story and, and looked at this uh, the principles that come from this story. You know, your family, how real it is for us to have worries about our family, about our kids, about our marriage, about our extended family. And there are people that we love, that we care about, And it seems impossible sometimes. Let me challenge you. Number one. If you haven't brought those things to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Again. Impossible is Jesus' speciality. It's no problem to him. In fact he often lets things become impossible. So that he can step in for his glory. And for his power. Secondly. You know, think of ourselves. Is there something impossible that you face in, in your own life? You know, are you in bondage to something? Do you face some circumstances just in your own life personally that seem impossible? Have you thought to simply bring them to Jesus? To ask him to help you? To come like uh, <coughs> Jairus uh, and not worry about, you know, what anyone thinks about you. And humble yourself and just come to Jesus and say, Lord, help me! Come to my house! There's a mess at my house. I need your help. You know, it's so simple. But have we cried out to him? You know, have you been discouraged maybe because things have gotten worse since you started praying? That happens to me. You know, I start praying about some impossible situation and it's like it becomes even more impossible. It's like totally never happening. You know, it's like, Lord, it's even worse. We need to recognize that happens God allows that to happen sometimes. And of course, God is not the author of sin, but God allows things sometimes to get worse. Why? So that when he steps in and he delivers us, all the glory can go to him, that we will recognize it was completely impossible and we can bring those things to him. Remember, Jesus lets that happen. And my question to you tonight as we close is simply this. Are you willing to trust him? You know, we're about to um, spend some time in prayer together. And you know, it's an ideal time to bring those impossible things to the Lord. Uh, you know, maybe share it as a prayer request or maybe uh, you don't want to do that or, or, or that's just not uh, the appropriate thing to do. But whatever it is, let me challenge you, before you leave this building tonight, bring your impossible situation to Jesus. Whether you have done it before or this is the first time, bring your impossible situation to Jesus. Because as we can see from this story, nothing's impossible to him again let's go back in our minds to that analogy at the beginning a child trying to lift a heavy box and they're trying so hard and grunting and groaning trying to lift that box and they can't do it and a grown-up comes in and picks it up with ease and the child looks at the grown-up says wow you are so strong and you know what God looks at our impossible situations like that heavy box. He said, if they would just let me help them, I could help them with that. And so let's invite Jesus uh, tonight to help us uh, with our impossible situations.